welcome back to Trinus Magnus Punches Reality, presented by Two True Freaks. I'm your host, Magnus, and what I do is I talk about comics, movies, and TV shows. And boys and girls, that has been the case for precisely six years now, because I've, unless I've royally screwed something up, what you're listening to right now is episode 287, and it's being released on August the 20th, 2019. Now, I began my illustrious podcasting career by releasing my very first episode of Trennis Magnus Punches Reality on Tuesday, August the 20th, 2013. So, as a kind of simple matter of math, I guess. Today, at the time that you're listening to this, this is six years of Trennis Magnus Punches Reality. And, you know, as I look back on the history of this show, you know, there are certain, there are certain episodes I would take back if I could. There are certain episodes that I just don't think turned out as well as they could have. And I put a lot of that down to the just the basic learning curve that I would imagine any podcaster has to go through. Some things are going to turn out better than others, perhaps. But, you know, in the main, you know, I think this, I think my podcast has actually really turned out fairly well. And I would say especially from about episode number 100 and then going forward, that to me is when I see real signs of improvement. But I don't think that my first 100 episodes are necessarily horrible you know there are certain again there are certain things that I would take back if I could but like I say it's it's been a fun ride put it that way you know there was that point uh, near the end of 2018 where I probably shouldn't get too specific about it except to say that guys I was in a seriously fucking bad mood you know a really bad mood near the end of 2018 and that was a huge reason why I ended up taking that hiatus that lasted for so long you know Uh, you know yes I I I did have a wedding that was coming up at the time and you know I really wanted to focus my time and energies and attention on that but you know as much as anything else I I was just in a really bad mood and if you listen to the episodes of Trennis Magnus Jabs reality that came out in I don't know, maybe the last month or two of 2018, I think my anger was pretty apparent, you know? Or actually, maybe even more than that. Maybe, like, from around September and then going forward to the end of the year. Very angry, you know? And so, uh, anyway, some stuff was going on. We don't really need to get into it, but that's that's what it was. (sighs) One of the things that I used to do, not terribly often, but at least once in a while, one of the things I used to do was give you guys a preview of coming attractions. You know, basically, what is it that's going to be coming up on the docket in terms of episodes that I'm going to be releasing in the fairly near future? And the reason that I was able to do that is because of the fact that I had this huge archive of... Uh, of uh, unreleased episodes, I could pretty well tell you what was coming and when, just because there was so much to choose from. And it's a lot harder to do that now, since I don't necessarily record episodes at the last minute. But I, at the same time, I don't really have this gigantic backlog of episodes that I used to have. I mean, at one point, I was a full year, you know, a full year uh, uh, out. And that wasn't super common, but it was... There, Like I say, there was a point when, yes, that was true, you know, and I don't really have that anymore. Now, there are some 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 old sort of golden nuggets that just never got released uh, before my hiatus. You know, um, some of them have, you know, um, the epi- uh, this was episode number 272, the new Avengers number seven, the first part of that century storyline, uh, episode 273. Uh, about the Punisher Max number 13, uh, which I believe was the beginning of that Mother Russia storyline, episode 274, which was about the top five movies Magnus will already own. And just through there, those were episodes that I'd had in, in the archive for a pretty long time. 
And I thought, well, coming off the hiatus, let's go ahead and start releasing a few of those. And so I did. But I still have a few left over in the tank that were recorded. I'm Guys, I'm not exaggerating. And in a couple of cases, not very many, but in a few cases, these episodes actually go back like three years or, or two years or, or just through there, you know. Again, not super common. You know, most of these episodes that I have unreleased, it's actually kind of predictable, I would say. You know, a couple of Batman episodes, a couple of Astro City uh, comics, uh, a couple of uh, Superman comics, uh, a uh, Star Trek comic, and so forth. You know, just that type of stuff. Not very many of those, you know. A lot fewer than you might think. Just to count them, let's see, that's 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11. 11 uh, episodes that in some cases go back as far as two years. And really that's it. Now, for some of you, 11, especially if you're a podcaster, having 11 episodes in the tank may sound like a lot, since a lot of you have zero in the tank. But, you know, you got to understand, for me, that's practically nothing. And I have, I don't really have a schedule for releasing these. I mean, I know I want to at some point, but I just, I don't know. It's going to happen sooner or later, but uh, not really too sure when, when that's going to happen. So anyway, my point is, back in the old days, I used to give you guys kind of a preview of coming attractions once in a while. And so it's really harder to do that because... This is episode 287 that you're listening to right now. I have not recorded episode 288, you know? I haven't. So for me to sit here and make a guarantee as to what it's going to be, yeah, it's a little bit dicey. Now I'm going to go ahead and do it anyway. Get not super specific, but at least, you know, for the, I guess, near future, a bunch of stuff that you guys should just keep an ear out for and... There you go. So what I'm planning for the next episode to be, and I guess we're going to see how this plays out, but what I'm planning is uh, for episode 288 to be another uh, Knight Rider commentary. Uh, the reason for this, guys, is because I say that my that my podcast is all about comics, movies, and TV shows, but if records be checked, what I think you're going to find is that the great majority of shows that I've released are they are specifically about comics, you know? Now, I love comics, but, you know, I get the idea. Well, I say I get the idea. I know for a fact that, you know, yeah, some of you like comic book characters and whatnot. You're not necessarily so much into comics, you know? Uh, maybe you're more into TV shows, or maybe you're more into movies and stuff. And those are the episodes of my, sh uh, of my podcast that you gravitate towards the most. And so you get a little bit left out in the cold when I do my 50th episode in a row about yet another comic book. So I've made a concerted effort to uh, pepper in episodes about movies and shows a little bit more frequently. Now, I leave my precise degree of success in this up to you. I think I've actually done a pretty decent job. I look back at the episodes that I've released lately. Uh, there was that episode I did about Batman 1989. Then I did an episode, um, it was somewhat about Star Wars Episode One: The Phantom Menace, and it was somewhat about that shitty documentary, The People vs. George Lucas. And so, that, I guess from a certain point of view, that's kind of like a twofer as far as movies are concerned. Then in Episode 284, I, did, um, I, I uh, released a show about the Smallville Sainted Season 7 premiere. The episode is uh, Bizarro. Then after that, I did a commentary for Batman the Animated Series on Leather Wings. And I think that episode, if I remember correctly, that episode included some feedback to it. And then after that, I did an episode about the first Iron Man movie with Scott Gardner, which I think, you know, I think the title there kind of says it all. It was very much a kind of loosey-goosey episode. But in the main, I think it was actually a pretty good conversation. It was just very freeform. Let's put it that way. Very freeform. So... Um, so my point is, you know, I think I've done a pretty good job of talking about non-comics type stuff, like non-comic books, anyway, type stuff. And so God knows there's 
going to be a little bit more of that to come. Hopefully, well, we'll get to that when we get to that. But anyway, so starting next week, like I say, the agenda is for me to talk about, um, or not even talk about, do a commentary for an episode of Knight Rider. And uh, so that's going to be pretty fun. Episode 289, I've got an idea for what I want that episode to be, but I'm, I, don't, I don't think I want to make any promises on, on that just yet. But I think at least one of you, if things go the way I think they might, at least one of you is really going to like that episode. So it just, well, we'll play it by ear. Let's say that. So anyway, moving forward from there, um, getting into uh, September, basically what I'm going to be doing is a, uh, this is going to be sort of a mini-series meant to tie in with uh, the release of the, what's his name, uh, Todd Phillips, uh, Joaquin Phoenix Joker film. So I'm going to do some episodes about some Batman comics, and by this point, I think I've earned, I, I've earned the right to talk about some more comics, because I've talked about all of these movies, I've talked about all of these TV shows, you know, I, I think it's okay for me to transition back to comics now, guys. So that's going to be the uh, agenda for uh, the great majority of uh, September and getting into a little bit of October. But for the for the rest of October, again, this is um, this is a I guess a, a plan. This is an ideal. This is an aspiration. I'm not making any promises. But the idea I had was, you know maybe have the majority of the episodes that I release during the month of October have it kind of a Halloween theme. And I don't mean Halloween, like the Halloween movie series. I mean, I probably will. Uh, going to talk about at least one of the, one, one of the Halloween movies. That was kind of where I got the idea for doing this. But the rest of the episodes uh, that I talk about or rather, the re the rest of the episodes that I release uh, during the during the month of October. The idea is that these are going to be movies that I don't know, not exactly scary movies, although maybe, but basically have some kind of relation to Halloween as a season. And then, of course, like I say, at least one of those episodes is probably going to be about one of the Halloween movies. So you know, Michael Myers, right? So one of those. So, uh, so that's the idea. And then from there, you know, that's really going to be part of the buildup to my epic, epic, epic 299th episode of Trennis Magnus Punches Reality. And, uh, so got that coming up. And, but then really after episode 299, you know, the big one, I'm really not too sure what I'm going to do or where I'm going to go or, or what I've got, again, I've got a... I've got an idea, you know, there is some, basically I've been secretly working on releasing a, a sort of a, a, a mini series about a certain series of movies. Uh, I need to basically coordinate schedules with my guest. I've got one of the movies taken care of already. That episode has been recorded and at least in theory, I could release it right now. But the thing is, I want to release all of those movies or rather, I want to release all of those episodes about that movie series back to back to back to back, you know. And um, so, you know, get it all out there. Not like, Again, not all at once, but just, you know, back to back. And so right now, only one of those has been completed. And so I, I'm hoping that I'm going to be able to release those and, you know, during 2019. That's, you know, that's the goal. We'll see. I'm I'm not making any promises on that, but... Hopefully you'll know it when you hear it, you know, uh, when those episodes come out, hopefully they'll be, they'll be easy to identify, but really I don't, you know, after episode 299, you know, my big 299th episode, I don't really have too much of an agenda, you know, uh, basically I was just planning to just see where the fates take me, you know, one direction or another. Well, we're just going to have to see. Now, one of the things that I definitely intend to do is uh, circle back to the Legion of Superheroes five years later series. Uh, basically, the decision I've made is that I'm going to 
Uh, I left off with Legion of Superheroes number seven last time. So obviously I'm going to be picking up with Legion of Superheroes number eight and going forward for another, I don't know, maybe handful of issues and then switching gears to talk about something else. In terms of the lifetime of the five years later era, you know, the stuff at least that I want to talk about, that pretty much wraps up with episode uh, number, or sorry, issue number 24, Legion of Superheroes number 24. So that's going to be my stopping point with that series. It's not that everything that came later is bad. On the contrary, some of it's actually really, really good. But for me, the the wheels definitely came off the wagon uh, sometime after issue number 24. And so with an eye on issue number 24, I thought, well, you know, this is a pretty good little stopping point. You know, I never promised that I was going to talk about the entire five years later run. Uh, I basically wanted to talk about the issues that I liked the most. And what I realized is the issues that I like the most are the first 24 issues. That's it. You know, so again, nothing, nothing against the issues that came, that came later. But for me, the, the bloom was off the rose, so to speak, after the, sometime after the 24th issue. I mean, I can't really give you an exact moment when it happened. But it was sometime after issue number 24. So, um, and just to clarify, I'm not, when I come back to the Legion of Superheroes, I'm not going to start off with Legion number eight and then go all the way through to number 24. I'm going to talk about, I don't know, three, maybe four, maybe five issues of the five years later run. Probably number, Legion of Superheroes number eight to number 13, switch gears, talk about something else you know, for a pretty long while, then maybe come back and talk about another couple of issues of Legion of Superheroes, talk about more stuff, et cetera, et cetera. So um, it's not going to be all at once. So just something to keep in mind there, whether that's good news or bad news for you, I don't know. But anyway, but uh, yeah, so that's that's the basic goal. And so what maybe what I'll do is those 11 episodes that I've still got in the tank that just never got released before, maybe I'll just kind of peter those out you know, over time, I don't, like I say, I don't really have a plan for those episodes. I know they're going to be released at some point or another. I just don't know when. So I guess we'll have to wait and see. So uh, anyway, the episode that I'm really looking forward to is um, my big, huge, gigantic, epic 299th episode, you know, because guys, this is the big one, 299 episodes, you know, that's nothing to sneeze at. And uh, so I was casting about for a concept for that show, you know, like, what I thought about doing was um, uh, talking about the movie 300 for episode 299, but I thought, well, you know, that's probably, you know, that's probably really only funny to, like, to me. I don't know if anyone else is going to think it's all that amusing, and it's kind of beside the point anyway. I'm not a real big fan of 300, so, hmm, what else can I talk about? And so somebody on the Trinus Magnus Punches Reality Facebook page says, hey, why don't you talk about, you know, for you know, the huge, gigantic, super spectacular episode 299, you know, like the big episode, why don't you talk about a comic book that cost $2.99? In other words, that had a $2.99 uh, cover price. And I thought, ding, 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 we have a winner. So uh, that's what I'm going to be doing. That's, uh, I don't think I want to say what that comic book is going to be, but that's, that's, as just sort of a general thing, whatever it is that I talk about from my big, huge, gigantic 299th episode spectacular, it's going to be a comic book that has a $2.99 cover price. So just something to look forward to there. But otherwise, like I say, I don't have too much in the way of a, a specific plan or goal or agenda or anything like that. After, uh, I would say after episode 299, I don't really know exactly what I'm going to be doing. I don't even have an idea for an idea of what I'm going to be doing. So I uh, uh, guess we'll just have to wait and see. So I don't know. Well, I guess I'll cross that bridge when we get there. Now, one of the things that I did want to talk about a little bit in this episode, I you know, I didn't want to make like too big of a deal out of it. But uh, one of the things I do nevertheless want to talk about is the uh, 1997 Joel Schumacher film, Batman and Robin. And the reason for that is because... I realize this may not necessarily be 
a uh, matter of universal consensus. You know, I maybe I'm completely alone on this, but I really do enjoy Batman and Robin. You know, I I think I did my second episode, my second ever episode of Trinus Magnus Punches Reality. I think I talked about the Joel Schumacher films, like both of them, Batman Forever and Batman and Robin. But, you know, nevertheless, I did at least want to take a moment to... I guess explain a little bit about what it is about Batman and Robin that works for me, you know? And one of the things that works for me is that this is very much uh, a live-action cartoon, you know? And it even has a couple of cartoon sound effects in it. And one of the things that just kind of burns my balls is when people watch this movie and it's like they ignore stylistic intent and they basically just focus on they basically ridicule Batman and Robin as though this is supposed to be you know a grounded and gritty and serious type of movie and how badly it fails at being those things and guys to me that that type of criticism really is inappropriate because I think it's pretty clear that Joel Schumacher wanted to make a sort of a high octane ad, you know fun adventure movie and let's face it a very much i would say a live action cartoon type of movie and so evaluating batman and robin as though it's trying to be i don't know something serious nothing serious is really springing to mind right now but okay fine like as though it's trying to be the dark knight well, that's not really a valid criticism. I mean, you, you can't really criticize something for being something that it isn't. To me, valid criticism is when you analyze something for what it is, and then you critique how effectively it achieves what it's set out to achieve. And so this idea that Batman and Robin sucks just because it's just so tonally different from, again, from The Dark Knight, that is just, that that's not a legitimate criticism, guys. I'm, I'm sorry, it's not. You know, you, you're not being fair, you're not being intellectually honest, you're not being anything. Whenever you make, you know, bullshit, idiotic criticisms like that, it's just, it, it's dishonest. It's, you know, simple as that. Now, as for me, my way of, uh, of processing Batman and Robin is... This kind of golden age, 1950s, smiling, do-gooder uh, do uh, type of Batman. A lot of people instantly want to compare the Batman as we see him in Batman and Robin. Associate that character in some way or another with Adam West. Because I've noticed there's this strange binary thinking that fans tend to have. That something... That first of all, that Batman must be dark. And if he's not dark, that automatically must mean it's Adam West. And no, I mean, there are ways of doing a light Batman that are just not Adam West. I mean, I think as much as I like the Adam West TV show, you know, this is... it. That, that TV show at times was absurdist, and it was intended to be absurdist. You know, but simply doing light Batman doesn't automatically equate to camp. All right, camp is its own sort of thing, you know? And so what we see in Batman and Robin, I think, is just a lighter take on the character. And again, it reminds me, at least, of the those Golden Age Batman stories that, you know, from the, uh, from the 1950s. And in particular, one of, you know, one element of that movie specifically really does make me think of 1950s Golden Age Batman, and that is the character of Barbara Wilson. Now, to me, the great tragedy of Barbara Wilson as a character is the fact that she has the first name Barbara. You know, I mean, I've joked on many, many, many occasions that if this character was named Gertrude Wilson, I think fans would be able to better eh, grasp what... Batgirl in Batman and Robin is all about, you know. Unfortunately, she has the she has Barbara as her first name, and so the connection that everybody wants to make is to Barbara Gordon, and that is just not even remotely who this character is. I think the best way of 
sizing up Batgirl as we see her in Batman and Robin is just to kind of regard her as a composite character of uh, Daphne Pennyworth, which is to say Alfred's niece, a, a composite of Daphne Pennyworth and Betty Kane, who was Bat-Girl in the 19, uh, 1950s. Now, there came a point when Bat-Girl was kind of put out to pasture in the early 60s, and then in the mid or late 60s, she was just wholesale replaced with Barbara Gordon, and I don't think she's had much to do in continuity or, or in comics ever since. You know, but it, nevertheless, I think it remains true that Barbara Wilson, as we see her in, in Batman and Robin, the, the clearest and straightest lines that you can draw between her and comics, again, Betty Kane, a.k.a. Bat-Girl, and Daphne Pennyworth, just sort of a composite of those two characters. And recognizing that actually goes a long way towards... Uh, making sense of this character, you know? Because, again, if you think of Barbara Wilson as we see her in Batman and Robin as some kind of a counterpart or analog to Barbara Gordon it just doesn't work you know it just it, there's no, there is nothing Barbara Gordon about Barbara Wilson there's just not and so that's why I always say if this character had been called Gertrude Wilson rather than Barbara Wilson I think people would have been able to figure her out a little bit more easily and since we're on the subject guys Speaking of inconvenient truths, you know, one of the things that I have really come to just firmly believe is that if Batman Forever, and especially Batman and Robin, were released today, well, I can't really say for sure about Batman Forever, but guys, Batman and Robin would probably be looking at something like a seven or eight hundred million dollar worldwide gross. I mean, those are the facts. I look at the state of... Uh, of of uh, comics these days, comic book films, and the just the style that these films use, and the the trend lately seems to be uh, fun and light and just kind of adventurous, almost over the top kinds of uh, action films. And Batman and Robin, I think, would fit very comfortably within that milieu. And so, you know, I realize this may not be a, uh, like a popular opinion or anything, but I honestly think that Batman and Robin would be a smashing box office hit today. If it, you know, if it came out today. And if you disagree with that, you know, actually, I, I want you to contact me and explain to me. Don't just say I disagree. I want you to fucking explain to me why it is that you don't think Batman and Robin would be a smash hit today. Because I do. I look at uh, Batman and Robin just the way that it is now, and I think, in general, this movie is... It's a lot like the movies that are coming out right now, in fact. You know? It's, a, again, probably more colorful than some of them. It's got a lot more neon than some of them, but I don't see how that would possibly uh, harm the movie's business. Whereas... Back in the late 90s, when Batman and Robin came out, it's kind of hard to say what exactly wide audiences wanted. Maybe what they really wanted was Batman and Robin released in 1998 rather than 1997. I mean, it's, it's just kind of hard to say, but I don't know what would have worked for mass audiences in the summer of 1997. But I'm here to tell you guys, in the summer of 2019... Batman and Robin, I think, would be a huge hit. So, I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong about that, but uh, but again, if you disagree with that, I want you to get in touch with me. And again, don't just say that you disagree. Explain why you think I'm wrong. So, um, good luck with that. So, um, anyway, now... This episode's actually running a little bit short right now, so one of the things that I want to do is uh, uh, work my way through a little bit of uh, uh, listener feedback because, as I've hopefully made clear to uh, to you guys by now, 
I've got quite a lot of uh, listener feedback, guys. This stuff goes back five years in, uh, in some cases. So the first email that we're going to work our way through here, this is called the Supergirl Saga, sent on November the 1st, 2014, sent by my old friend, Fanboy MS Prime. And uh, Prime writes, Hey, Magnus, you saying all the other movies that Man of Steel outdid at the box office keeps making me wonder why Superman is, la is lacking a cartoon show. Seriously, the Hulk got a cartoon off the shoot in the arm the Avengers movie gave him, and the Guardians of the Galaxy are getting a cartoon as well. Yeah, I'd want it to be my DC Presents cartoon. I'm going to put Prime's email on pause and say, guys, this DC Presents thing that uh, Prime is talking about here, he basically had a uh, an idea for this uh, it was actually a very extensive idea for an animated series that basically takes in, oh geez, I don't even, uh, like 85, 90, 95% of the entire DC universe touches upon l virtually everything at some point or another along the way. And uh, it's actually a pretty ambitious series, and I don't know if any show, any animated series, could possibly last long enough to fulfill, you know, Prime's vision for this thing. But man, he really did have a vision for it. And I talked about it at great length in the feedback section of some previous episode. Forgive me, Prime, I don't remember the exact number. But uh, you can find it there. And uh, man, this is an ambitious cartoon show that he had in mind. So that's what he's talking about. So anyway, getting back into Prime's email, he writes, Yeah, I'd want it to be my DC uh, Presents cartoon, but doesn't seem like Warner Brothers is getting getting off their ass to promote Superman that way themselves, so I may as well uh, dream of it being that. I'm going to put your email back on pause here, Prime, and say, you know, I haven't watched that, you know, keeping in mind that you sent this thing like five years ago, I haven't watched that uh, Justice League uh, micro-series or whatever it's called, but uh, I've heard good things about it, and so... You know, I'd, Prime, I'd be interested in your thoughts on that. You know, if you can, just go ahead and track down some episodes and let me know what you think about it because I'm I'm kind of curious to know. You and I seem to have kind of similar tastes, so I'm just sort of curious about that. You know, just write back to me and let me know what you think. So, uh, getting back to Prime's email, he says, In fact, I'm working on it some more right now, refining more as I get some new ideas and having fun working on it. As for Supergirl Saga, it is something I honestly need to read. As, <clears throat> as for John Byrne's plans, from what I'd heard, it was similar to what did happen, only he'd have a new superhero ID instead of being gangbuster as Superman's third persona. Not sure how true that is, but wouldn't surprise me. Anyway, it was an insightful look into the Supergirl Saga. I'll get to the other Superman apps soon enough. Wreck and Rule, signed... Man, boy, I miss Prime. And Prime, thanks for taking the time to, to write in like this. Again, I am so sorry it's, it's taken as long as it has to get to your email. But, uh, you know, like I say, I'm trying my best. I mean, I made, a, I made promises, and I'm trying to make, make good on that, where <clears throat> uh, all these different outstanding uh, bits of feedback that have just sort of languished in my inbox for all this time. Finally start clearing the decks of some of that stuff. So, you know, Prime, I'm going to get through as much of this as I can. You've sent in, obviously, quite a few, you know, emails over the years. And uh, all of them, sooner or later, will be read on mine. Okay? This I promise you. So, anyway. Uh, so, let's see here. Uh, Okay, yep, here's another one. Uh, this is skipping ahead a little bit. Uh, this comes from uh, May the 31st, 2015. A listener by the name of David Rizzuto. Uh, he sent in an email entitled, John Burns' Man of Steel and Alan Moore's Abysmal, quote, Superman, unquote, story. David writes, Hi, Trentus. First of all, I want to say that I'm glad that you enjoyed my previous email. And thanks once, uh, once again for taking the time to read my feedback on your show. I realized I was being conservative when I referred to my previous email as long, but if you ever need to shorten my emails for the sake of saving time on your podcast, then please feel free to go ahead. I Actually, before I move on with your email, uh, 
David, I really don't... I mean, unless... There was one time, actually, I did have to really shorten a, a, a listener's email because it... This thing was just... This this was like war and peace, all right? It really, this thing was huge. So, uh, but, you know, the emails that you've sent in, you know, this is, uh, I think, a pretty reasonable length, you know, for... Uh, reading on mic and, you know, responding to and talking about and all that. So, no, this is pretty good. The idea, David, and, you know, I honestly don't know if I've ever said this, but, you know, guys, the idea with sending in this feedback, it's not for me to sit here fanning my own balls and everyone telling me how awesome I am and, oh, man, this is just the greatest podcast ever, and, you know, fucking blah, 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 blah. You know, it, that's really not the point. The point is uh, to kind of have dialogue with you guys you know you've got something to say you say it to me and then i respond to it on mic you know so i don't know if i've ever said that but that's really what this is supposed to be all about so anyway i'm getting this close to my huge epic gigantic 299th episode of trennis magnus punches reality it's kind of funny to me that i'm still laying down some of the ground rules here so uh, i don't know how's that for organization guys anyway so uh David goes on to write, uh, let's see, but if you have a name, please feel free to, okay. I'd like to talk about a few iconic Superman comics that you covered in your earlier episodes, if you don't mind. And David, I don't. David says, after listening to a, a little bit of your recap of John Byrne's Man of Steel series, I decided to get a copy and see what the fuss was, uh, and see what the fuss was about. I'm happy to say that I really enjoyed it. I thought it was a very good modern retelling of Superman's origin story. The best thing about this book is unlike a lot of popular comics through the mid to late 80s, it was not dark. I thought it was a pretty light story where Superman reflects and shapes himself to be the best hero he, he could possibly be, and his relationships with family and friends help humanize him. I thought it was a much more uplifting comic to read, especially since it, since it came from that era. That being said, I was delighted to find out that the more violent comic that I liked to read as a kid, the 1995 Adventures of Superman Year One Annual, uh, uh, titled Truth and Justice, was based on this miniseries. That was the comic where, uh, where it takes place in the middle of Chapter 2 as Superman combats Bruno Mannheim and Intergang, and Dan Turpin fights off Kalibak. I'm going to put this email on pause here. Uh, uh, David, and just say that, you know, I can't remember if I've ever said this before out loud, but since this may be the only chance I get, I've got a little conspiracy theory here, David, and I just want to run it by you. Just see what you think. I challenge you to reread the Man of Steel miniseries, right? And then once you finish that up, I challenge you to read Superman, like the Burn series, you understand, Superman number one and then the ongoing series, Superman number one, and then just going forward from there. And I'm going to suggest to you, David, that Byrne intended the Man of Steel miniseries really to be Superman number one through six. And then the, the issue that is actually Superman number one, that was intended to be Superman number seven. And then this, the issue that's titled Superman number two, that was intended to be Superman number eight, etc. And the reason for that is because, I mean, Superman, or rather Man of Steel number one, and then just going forward, you can see, a, a, it's pretty clear, a planned unfolding of a story that it seems like it's arbitrarily just kind of cut off with Man of Steel number six. And then beginning with Superman number one, it's almost like it's picking up where Super, where uh, Man of Steel number six left off, and it's just, it, I've always kind of wondered, you know, is Man of Steel number one actually intended to be Superman number one? Like, is that what was intended to happen? And it's one of those things that we may never know for sure about, but I just see that a lot of stories that, you know, uh, Byrne introduced and then developed in Man of Steel, uh, the Man of Steel miniseries, they were developed further and then even brought to conclusion in the Superman ongoing title. And just, it's one of those things that's always just sort of made me wonder, you know? So, anyway. <sighs> anyway, uh, moving right along, uh, David goes on to write, I've noticed that some people aren't big fans of Burns' miniseries, though. <laughs> Boy, you're not kidding. Some just didn't seem to care for the reimagina uh, reimagination of Clark being born on Earth 
and some seem to prefer the old-fashioned Superman comics, as in pre-crisis. But I can't help but feel some have a misguided agenda against the series. For example, I found this blog, and he links to a blog, obviously, by somebody claiming that Superman not honoring his Kryptonian heritage upon linking telepathically with Jarrell's ghost is identical to people feeling ashamed of their ethnic ba uh, backgrounds. Oh boy, I'm just not even going to go anywhere near that one. The blogger even goes on to say, quote, those who don't honor their heritage are the most intolerant, unquote. Or, in other words, it encourages racism. Boy, I'm really not going near that. David, no offense, but boy, anything to do with race these days is uh, <laughs> way too touchy for me to even want to go to go near, you know? So, uh, anyway, I believe the blogger was trying to compare the ending with immigrants who moved to another country and later denouncing where they came from. But the argument he presents is a fallacy, and the comparison is bizarre. I don't know what comic this guy was reading, but the final page of the series showed Superman was grateful for discovering his true origins. He didn't disown Krypton, it's just that his gratitude for living on Earth is much stronger. Uh, because that was his adopted home. The only place he ever knew, or rather, he, the only place he ever grew to know intimately. Never mind the fact that it was the Kents, not Jor-El, like in live-action adaptations, that helped shape Clark's identity as Superman, as well as the fact Clark didn't learn anything about Krypton until several years after he became Superman. While I can, while I can understand how one's self-loathing of their heritage in the real world may encourage casual racism, that's not what Man of Steel was about. And you know what, Prime? Um, you know, all this... All this racial stuff here, uh, I don't really want to get too much into that. But what I will say is, you know, I, I, I do generally agree with you that, you know, I don't think that this is intended to be like some kind of, you know, racist thing. It, or for that matter, even a smear against immigrants. It, uh, it It's basically just uh, John Byrne. Honestly, he's basically just giving us his take on Superman. Now, the, this, for me, the fact of the matter is that it's not really an either-or type of thing with Superman. You know, I don't think that he would... Especially in the pre-crisis era, I don't... But, you know what, maybe... Now that I think about it, it's like, as I say it, this may even be truer of the post-crisis era, but I don't think that Superman would necessarily consider himself to be Kryptonian, or, for that matter, I don't think he would consider himself to be human, you know, just in terms of his self-identification. And just excuse me while I get a drag off my vape here. <laughs> Alright, excuse me. Sorry about that. Um, David, my, my sense of things is, uh... I think Superman would view himself as the best of both worlds. You know, he has, you know, he embodies the best of Earth and the best of Krypton. You know, I don't think he would identify as Kryptonian because he has life experiences, he has a perspective, he has a background that no Kryptonian in history, generally speaking, has ever had, you know? And I think the same thing holds true for mankind, you know? He has a history, a background, a, a, a heritage, and a point of view that no, that nobody in the history of mankind has ever had before. He, Superman is very much one of a kind, you know? He is his own sort of thing. He's, he's too different to be Kryptonian and he's too different to ever be human, and I think he knows that, and I think he would be comfortable with that. You know, I don't think that that would be a cause for a crisis of identity with the guy. You know, his, his life experiences, his perspective, these things would separate, not necessarily alienate, but they would separate him from all of Kryptonian kind, just as much as they would all of mankind. You know, Superman can hear things that man, that most people can't. Um, Superman can see spectrums of light that we can't. 
You know, Superman knows what it's like to fly all around the world like at Mach 15, and we don't. You know, um, mankind has no real secrets from Superman. You know, he knows everything there is to be known about us. And so, you know, the good, the bad, and everything else, warts and all, he knows all about it. And, you know, so he has a, a depth of knowledge and human, of a human experience that no man in history has ever had before. You know, Superman, his name notwithstanding, he is not Kryptonian and he's not a man. He is Superman. So this idea that, you know, is, you know, is Superman the real character or is Clark the real character? To me, that misses the point. Superman is the real character. Kal-El is who he might have been had he stayed on Krypton. Clark is who he might have been if he if his rocket had landed on Earth, but for some reason he'd never developed powers. But he's a guy from Krypton who landed on Earth and gained superpowers. So he's not Kal-El and he's not Clark. He is Superman. He is something something different, something more, and I would say something better than Kal-El would have been on Krypton, or that a powerless Clark Kent would have been on Earth. He is something beyond and that is what superman represents to me so all of this is a long way of saying i love burns man of steel miniseries i have nary a criticism about it but when it comes to characterization this is one of those things where you know burn and i are going to have to disagree i don't think clark is the real character here i think the real character is not kal-el the kryptonian and the real character is not clark kent the human the real character is Superman, the, well, superhero, I guess. That's the real character, if you ask me. So, anyway, moving right along here, <clears throat> uh, David goes on to say, And finally, I'd just like to say that I totally agree with you and Michael Bailey about whatever happened to the Man of Tomorrow during episode 26. Except, as you can tell from the subject line here, I absolutely outright hated it. I don't care what anyone says. Faking your own death and tricking your close friends in the process is a cruel thing to do. I also didn't like how Superman's decision to relinquish his powers deprived the world of, uh, from its greatest hero and put it in danger of possible future threats such as hostile alien contact or even natural disasters. I'm going to put your email on pause and say, you know what, David, I completely agree with that. You know, I mean, I've said again and again, you know, after Superman gives up his powers, you know what? Boy, I sure hope Darkseid doesn't decide to ever come knocking because who else besides Superman is going to give, uh, be able to turn back like uh, an invasion of Darkseid's minions? Or who else besides Superman can, can go toe-to-toe -to -toe with Mongol or something like that, you know? So I, I, to me, this is just a horrible story, especially for what it says about Superman, that his moral code means so little to him. You know, it's just, it's just fucking bullshit. I don't like that story at all. Whatever happened to the man of tomorrow. Fuck that. So, anyway. Uh, moving right along. And it's all because Superman indirectly killed Mr. Mixes Pitalik. Michael Bailey is spot on when he described how reprehensible this ending was. I mean, I could elaborate more about whatever happened to the man of tomorrow, but I don't have the time or the patience. And besides, your review nailed everything about how I felt. But as for people using that infamous panel about uh, of why Superman doesn't kill before relinquishing his powers, I can easily rebut that garbage by referring to a scene in Carl Kiesel's Batman and Superman World's Finest miniseries. While touching upon the subject of breaking their no-kill rules, Batman hi uh, hypothetically asked Superman if he'd be willing to use lethal force against a, a non-stop killing machine, which is vaguely referring to Doomsday should it threaten to annihilate anything and everything that crosses its path. Superman answers, if it was the only way, yes, I'd bring it down with my last breath. Uh, yeah, look, uh, David, I want to be clear on something here. Um, I'm one of those people who thinks that, you know, Superman should strive to never kill people. This is a goal, okay? This is an aspiration. This is not necessarily chiseled in stone moral code and the reason for that is because there are alien threats in this world or not in this world outside of this world that might come to this world and there may be no way to imprison them there may be no way to, uh, of ever stopping them 
You know, it's well and good for Superman to say that he cherishes life and doesn't ever want to destroy it. But, guys, he killed Doomsday. Alright, now, as it happens, coming back from the dead is, a, is kind of Doomsday's hat trick. But you gotta understand, you know, when Dan Jurgens finished uh, penciling Superman number 75, and then obviously the, the stories that unfolded after that, at least for the time being, readers had every reason to assume that Doomsday was dead and was never coming back. And no one really seemed all that upset about it. No one seemed to be bothered by the fact that, wow, post-crisis, Burn Age Superman killed again, even though he swore he never would after goings-on in the Supergirl saga. And God knows the aftermath, you know? We all understood that, you know what? Doomsday had to be shut down. You know, there are certain threats that, again, it's well and good for Superman to say, I don't kill. Well, it's fine to say that, but when you're up against an unstoppable killing machine like Doomsday, who threatens to destroy everything, there comes a time when a man's got to rise above principles, and if ever there was a time to do it, this was it. And I don't think Superman was morally wrong for doing so. You know what I mean? And now if what we're talking about is like bank robbers or car thieves or purse snatchers, look, Superman would never kill those people because we have a criminal justice system that's ready, willing, able, and eager to prosecute criminals like that. You know, Superman doesn't need to get blood on his hands for stuff like that. But when it comes to stuff like like Doomsday, or or even some, you know what, even you could say somebody like Mongol, somebody who is always going to keep coming, he's always going to keep trying, and who knows, someday he may even succeed in enslaving the entire human race. What are you going to do to stop him, Superman? And this is one of those things where I think, again, it's well and good to say that Superman has these, these, these values and these principles for which he stands, but somebody who operates with the level of power that Superman does, to me, it's a bit backwards to say that he needs to abide by human standards of proper conduct. I mean, this is a guy for whom the law only applies because he allows it, you know? And the fact is, there are some very dangerous threats out there in, in the rest of the universe that, for all anybody knows, Superman may be Earth's only protection against. And to say that he should not kill those threats, to me, is just kind of dumb, you know? I mean, I'm sorry, but it, that's just stupid. I mean, I could see Superman having, having a code of honor such that he protects all human life, no matter what, you know, but this idea that he protects all sentient life, irrespective, I'm sorry, I just don't fucking buy that, you know, I, I don't. So, anyways. Uh, finishing off um, uh, David's email, he says, and by the way, I think this particular scene alludes to taking place sometime after Superman killed Zod and the other villains and John Burns final uh, Superman issue. And David, yeah, I think you're actually right about that. I remember that panel in the World's Finest miniseries, and yeah, I think you're absolutely right. I think we're supposed to infer that uh, Superman says that to Batman uh, post-Supergirl saga, but pre-Doomsday, some, somewhere in there. So, anyway. And David finishes up his, uh, his uh, email by saying, until next time, Take care. Signed, David, the Laughing Fish, the Laughing Fish J. So, hmm. Anyway, so, uh, David, thank you very much. I really appreciate you taking the time to write in like that. Your emails are always insightful and uh, always just a, just a ton of fun to read. So, thank you very much. I, I hope to hear from, more from you in the future. Please do. Keep writing, you know. So, uh, anyway, so this episode, I think, uh, this is... I'm just, it looks like I'm just over 50 or so minutes of this episode. So I think this is actually a pretty, a pretty decent little, little stopping point. So uh, I'm going to go ahead and put a, uh, put a pin in this thing for right now. Now, like I said before, as to next week, what I plan to talk about is a, uh, I, I plan to do a, a commentary for an episode of Knight Rider, but that's next week. Now, as to this week, I think that's pretty much it for me. So Bye, everybody. I will see you next week.
so I think that's just about the end of that. Trennis Magnus Punches Reality is a proud member of the Two True Freaks Podcast Network. You can find the home for Trennis Magnus Punches Reality at twotruefreaks.com. You can also find this show on Facebook just by searching for Trentus Magnus Punches Reality. There you can interact with your fellow listeners and also see notifications of new episodes when I put them up. My Facebook group is the only official place where you can find everything that has anything to do with this show. The reason for that is because I despise Twitter. Pretty much everything about Twitter sucks. So join the Facebook group today. Speaking of Facebook, you can friend me just by searching for Trentus Magnus, which is spelled T-R-E-N-T-U-S-M-A-G-N-U-S. You can email me and my parole officer at trennismagnus at gmail.com. But remember, all feedback and correspondence emailed to me will be read on mic unless you request otherwise. So, if your email isn't intended for public consumption, don't forget to say so. Otherwise, I'll assume that you want your correspondence to be heard by my dozens, and dozens, of fans across the world. Do you have a suggestion for a topic? feel free to email me, and I might consider thinking about the possibility of potentially discussing whatever you have in mind someday. And that's a promise. Since we're on the subject of feedback, Trentus Magnus Punches Reality can be found on iTunes just by searching for Trentus Magnus Punches Reality. Won't you take a moment to rate my show on iTunes? That helps new listeners find the show. And just in case you don't think that I've given you enough shit to click on just yet, You can sponsor my show simply by going to twotruefreaks.com. There you can find the PayPal button, donate any amount at all, specify that you're sending Magnus some monetary love, and you will be an official sponsor of my show's very next episode, with your message read in the show's opener. It's that easy. And there's no minimum donation. Be a Trennis Magnus show sponsor today. I don't have a Patreon. Because if you think that I hate Twitter, boy, just wait till you hear what I think of Patreon. So, if you want to throw some bucks my way, the Two True Freaks PayPal link is the way to do it. The contents of this podcast are fictitious, hypothetical, and probably completely unnecessary. Any similarity to living persons or real-life events is purely coincidental and void were prohibited by law. Some assembly required. Batteries not included. Many will enter. Few will win. The white zone is for passenger loading and unloading only. All models are over the age of 18. Trennis Magnus Punches Reality is a Magnus... Media Enterprises Limited Production in association with Demonsacor of Milan, Italy. <laughs>